Hey, good evening, my friends. Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. It's uh, 20 minutes after 7 on the 16th of October, 2020. As you have been listening, I spent the last week with my father. He came to stay with us. Things are getting a little bit dicey up in New York State, which is where my parents decided to retire 20 years ago. They raised a family, they worked their asses off, carved out a little bit of time for their extracurricular interests, which is nature. They built a cabin on top of a mountain. They taught me a shitload of things. And they moved up here. And retirement, I'm telling you, if if it's not apparent to you already, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Just my opinion, my observation. My parents worked their asses off for 30 years, 40 years. Did a lot. Made a lot of money. Put food on the table. Supported kids, the grandkids, the great-grandkids, and are still doing so. I love my parents dearly. Human beings are very complex, though. You know, I'm thankful to my parents for so much. But I'm kind of saddened by by where they're at, you know. Like, I just dropped him off at the house and my mother was there. He frequently clashes with my mother. My niece is there, her kids. Beautiful. Beautiful people. Precious. Give them hugs and kisses and listening to them. And their little girl was coloring things in a coloring book and giving them to me. So so cute, these kids so vital, you know, and here we are, I'm looking at the different spectrums of life, at life at every scale, from the youngest to the oldest, got humans, got animals running around, got everybody, all these little life forms that we, we are, and that we collect, and we nurture, and that we torture, (laughs) we kind of torture each other sometimes, you know, and especially when you're bored, Right? When you get old, you might have some plans. Maybe you want to do more golfing. Maybe you want to travel. Uh, What happens then if you get sick? What happens if you um, become disabled? Then your hobbies that you wanted to pursue, uh, either you lack the physical ability or you lack the mental, you know, even the gumption, the, the care to even pursue these things then. It's it's a very tragic world sometimes, and it's simultaneously beautiful, you know. I'm always pointing that out and feeling that in my heart and in my mind. This is the yin and the yang, my friends, that balance. There's good and bad, there's short and tall, there's fat and skinny, there's... Uh, hot and cold 
rich and poor, there are all these different balances and uh, antagonisms, protagonisms. It's interesting to study a human life. I hope they're going to be okay. I gave my dad a break, a week's break. He basically was able, we took, we covered a bunch of miles, walking, hiking, talking, playing with the dog. The dog never got used to him. They were, the dog would bark and growl. Poor Momi, she didn't know what the hell happened. Who's this old guy that's coming, creeping out of the basement, you know? So she would bark and then she'd finally go over and warm up to him a little bit. She, but she's like, she's old too. She's a 10-year-old dog. She's probably like, what the fuck? What is this? Why are you throwing this new detail into my life, guys? But Dad, he had a great stay. He went down. He was nice and cozy in the basement. Gave him a little space heater. Brought his, packed up his <clears throat> his recliner. Threw that in the back of the truck. Brought it down. Brought it back up. He's back in his room. He's settled. It's pretty friggin' interesting, I'll tell you that right now. But I'm happy to be driving back down to Northeast Extension now. Be home to see my family by 10 p.m. That's the goal. Let's see, I had an idea, some things to talk about. The human condition, right? I sure could go for a cup of coffee, I'll tell you that right now. So I was listening to, on the like, pretty much the entire way up, we're listening to David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. And fortunately, the first couple chapters are all about, I mean appropriately, but they're, they're all about Goggins growing up. And he had an abusive situation. His father was a scumbag, beat him up, beat his mom up. He was a low-integrity guy. And he made that clear in the book, audio book, as we were listening to it. And I'm cringing while I'm listening. I'd listened to it before, previously. <clears throat> now my dad's listening to it as we're cruising up through the foliage. And I'm thinking, uh, I wonder how he feels about this. Because it was kind of negative. Um, descriptions, vivid descriptions of the beatings that he would get. And his mom got and and they're fleeing and um, other hardships that he experienced and now we're about getting to the good part where he starts fighting back starts training, starts uh, deciding that he wants to change his life and embrace all these hard times that he's had, if only to rise above them right trying to get a read on how my father felt about this, this audiobook, which I suggest to you if you haven't checked it out, this is 
David Goggins can't hurt me. Basically, the guy went through so many hardships that he decided, fuck it, I'm just going to, you know, the things that most people are scared of, I'm just going to go into them. I'm going to go into fear. I'm going to go into pain, and I'm going to um, fight through it so that it can't hurt him. You know? It's a method. It's a very unorthodox method. He was talking about in the book about how he was on this panel talking to, you know, he was like the only guy who was a non-scholar on this panel. They were at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the guy was saying, this psychologist was saying, yeah, you know, most people that they don't just don't have it, you know, the vast majority of people they'll never realize their goals. It's just human nature and something to that effect. And Goggins, some he made it he made a face and somebody in the audience said, Well, you know, could you respond to that? Do you disagree? And he said, Yeah, you know, that that's a cop out. I feel like you're telling you're licensing us, the the public, to just you know, fuck it. We're all losers, you know. I should quit then, you know. So that was interesting. So check out that book. Can't hurt me. I'm excited for the weekend. Can't wait to go home, walk into my own home, see my chocolate lab, see my wife and children. Take a shower, wash this off of me. Just what, you know, the day. I had a good day, but this has been a tense week. As I've described, taking care of my father and adding, adding some details to my life. It was a labor of love, but it was, it was difficult. You know, it's difficult to, to be there for, for somebody who used to be there for you exclusively. And now we're switching roles. So I'm tired, and I just want to go home, and I want to sleep in tomorrow, and I want to go out and carve some wood and get ahead, you know, I want to lift some kettlebells and walk by the creek and clean my truck and organize my schoolwork and just get ahead, because it pays to be a winner, it pays to be prepared I might have mentioned this past week there was an assignment that my this doctorate level course that I'm teaching for an acupuncture school they had, it was a feng shui assignment so they're all describing their closets or their desk areas or you know how things got so out of whack because they're working on their doctorate or they managing their family and so on and so forth and they're describing how they changed these things and how it made them feel better, more in control, healthier. And I thought that that was pretty interesting about uh, organization, about cleaning. It's sometimes it's it's like I guess I could use the analogy for my saw maintenance: cleaning my chainsaws, oiling them, gassing them up sharpening the blades, it's, it's a necessary thing to do, but after I'm done, tomorrow for instance, 
I kind of just want to clean up and blow off the driveway and organize my stuff or, or you know, pack my stuff up generally and then just go shower up and carry on with my day. It would probably be better if I, soon after my wood carving or designated day or a time, a couple hours, about an hour a week just to organizing my saws and, and the shed and cleaning things out and preparing the saws so when it's time for me to go out there, all I got to do is grab them and pull the freaking pull start and they sputter to life and they're clean and they're functional. Same thing with our bodies, right? I've had a few instances recently where I'm like, holy shit, how might you know, be sent to lunch uh, counter or at our kitchen table eating lunch and my wife will be like, oh, your nails are pretty uh, long. How'd they get that long? You usually don't let them get like that. Or my ear hairs or my beard gets bushy and it starts to get excessively curly and itchy. I'm like, fuck. I'm overdue. So then you got to get all your shit out and, and, you know, it feels good. Anyway, it feels good to clean up your person, your area, your computer, your business. It's like you're ready for something. It's like you can feel in control in some way, in some small way. We can control our environment. Um, on the other side of the coin is the reality that like you ever see an image of let's say Einstein or Niels Bohr or some scientist Marie Curie some storied scientist or artist or engineer an artist would probably be a great example and their area their paints their palettes their workspace, it looks like hell. I mean, it's just fucking shit is everywhere, right? And you wonder, how is it that, like, what is it more important? How important is it to be, you know, have all your shit? Like, I have a bunch of paints. I have my airbrush paints. Well, I'd like to organize them and have everything so that it has a place and there's like a maybe a, a stand for all my paints and my airbrush kit. And it'd be great if it was all organized with those pegboards. Remember pegboards from the 70s and 80s where you can hang all your tools so that you could see them all. I probably, if I had one, I probably would get use out of it. I probably should do that. Clean up my shed work on all the little projects that I've, I've wanted to charge all the batteries, sharpen all the chains, oil all the mechanisms. But in doing so, you know, you're just going to get back to work anyway. It's, is, it, is it six in one, half a dozen in the other to prior to starting my uh, carving project? I gas up my saws and oil them a little bit and sharpen the chains. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm I'm so into, so interested in getting to work 
that I overlook the organization, but the organization would facilitate my work. Now, I'm not a messy Marvin or anything like that. You know, I hate a full trash can. I hate a, a dirty chainsaw. I hate wrinkled clothes and shoes that are strewn in the mudroom closet every which way. But I also have a finite amount of time. It's amazing how that one side of the garage, we have like a storage side, and it's where we keep the lawnmower, and my daughter keeps her tumbling track, and I'd love to have a place for everything, have everything exquisitely organized, like some people's garages that I see. They don't even park their cars in there. It's like, this is my shop. This is going to be clean. It's going to be well organized. And I think that that's important to do, to have that. Maybe I'll work on that this weekend. Supposed to be a nice day tomorrow. So just a little little side note on uh, feng shui. Maybe work on the feng shui in your life. Now today was interesting. I had a a patient come in who apparently was very satisfied with her adjustment. Um, I was very careful, she was a new patient, and I'm always very careful with the force applied. So I was hitting her with trying to put her at ease, trying to trying to <coughs> pardon me, relax her however possible. It was her first adjustment. She's a nurse. So with nurses, I have some standard lines. I'll say, okay, well, you're a clinician, right? You're a nurse. What kind of specialty, you know, do you, what kind of capacity are you a nurse in? Um, what's wrong? What do you think's wrong with you? And they'll usually say, oh, well, rather than getting all technical, they usually get a little humbled and they're like, well, it's, that's why I'm here because this is your specialty and uh, my neck is stiff and my range of motion is a little bit reduced and I carry the kids this way and I work this way and I just feel like there's a lot of built up tension there. So I gave her the best possible adjustment, and when I manipulated her neck, it really took very little force, but it made uh, every joint released. Every joint released well, and made a shitload of noise. It was like, friggin' machine gun, both sides. And I said, are you okay? And she, she's, she started like weeping, crying. I was like, are you okay? You know, was that, that wasn't too much, was it? She goes, no, that was great. She flipped over and I continued my work and did my best for her. And my friend, Emily, who referred her in said, man, you're a rock star. She's talking, singing your praises there, Dr. O. She said it it was life-changing, the adjustment. Well, I wish that 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 happened every time, but it certainly is very rewarding when you hear exactly how um, impactful you can be. As I like to say, we're not making widgets, you know? So I got a couple new jokes 
I want to share with you. Uh, I like to say, hey, hey, you hear about my friend, the uh, hear about the skeleton who drank her milkshake too fast? Yeah, she um, she's a real numbskull. <laughs> and how about uh, hey, this afternoon I'm going out to lunch with my friend, the Mummy, Dracula and the Mummy. The Mummy usually likes to order the wrap, and Dracula, well, he goes for the Bat Wellington. No steak though. No steak. Get it? Steak, like in the heart, wooden steak. Bat Wellington. I made those up. So those three. The Mummy, the Dracula, Bat Wellington, and uh, Numbskull. So those are my my self-generated uh, dad jokes. I'm enjoying these. I'm not going to go overboard with them. Now, I did this week because I was just excited. It's like a new toy, you know, like a new instrument that I have to help people with. Well, what I think of it as doing is you're breaking the trance. Like Dracula would put you in the trance and his eyes would turn into spirals. That trance is the mundane, is the trance we need to be most concerned about. The mundane, normal, everyday life, it can entrance us as we're focusing on all the various tasks and our hard drive is just like, and our computer processor is just like, trying to process all this shit and it just makes you go numb. You're focusing so much on all these little minutiae, all these little tasks that you lose sight of the big picture. It's like you're, you're numb. You're lacking perspective. You focus so much that you can't see the big picture. And that's a shame. Let's see what else we got going on. Sam's got a football game on Sat on Sunday. That's good. It means we can sleep in tomorrow, accomplish the tasks that I previously mentioned. Um, I got some pinekin orders to fill. I feel definitely uh, euphoric. <laughs> Excuse me about. Um, I feel euphoric about helping my father this week and about spending more time with him over the past seven days than I did in the past 30 years. And that's no bullshit. I talked to them in a frank manner. I talked to my mother in a frank manner. I advised them as carefully as possible to get their shit together. And uh, now I'm heading home to my family. Hopefully this is a wake-up call for them where they can decide to you know, figure out how they're going to spend the remainder of their life together. Or apart. I don't give a fuck. Just don't leave me in a precarious spot whereby I'm um, worried about them or I have to you know, make these trips so regular because they need my help. Yeah, eventually they're going to, and I'll be there for them, but, you know, it's, I don't want to be put in a bad spot. Um, so there's that. I got a couple books to listen to, so I think I'm going to resume that now and let you guys go. I'm not going to too crazy on this podcast. 
but because I'm at that point where I feel like this has been a doozy of a week, it's been a successful week, but, you know, fucking spent. Can't wait to pull onto my, into my driveway and lock my car, go inside, have a beer, you know? I want you to know if you're listening to the podcast, I'm thankful that you're listening and Hopefully you can take some positive things away. Try to keep it as positive and motivating as I can. Um, And make it... uh, It's helpful to me, I'll tell you that right now. Just talking out loud. It's like a little daily diary. And my thoughts. And um, I'm able to express myself. So this is... I've been more consistent with this than pretty much any other form of communication. Like I like to write... And I think I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. Um, because I'm able to see the words as I'm generating them, right? As I'm composing them. And I can delete or edit that content if it seems cheesy. And I can perfect it before I put it out there. And I'm very verbose and I like to write. And I like to write in a way that comes across as, you know, uh, savvy almost kind of like academic, like a really um, well-written essay, let's say, where then I'll throw in a little shit or fuck or whatever as a punctuation mark. Hmm. So anyway, I'm thankful for you guys listening, and keep tuning in. I'm a, if you got, if I see you on a regular basis, or you have something that you that I've been talking about that is of particular interest to you, you think that a podcast on a specific topic would be beneficial for you or for all, maybe you want to know about anatomy and physiology, or are you interested more in the artistic side, like uh, uh, my wood carving and such, or do you want to hear cool stories from my Marine Corps days, this is interesting, I'll end with this. My buddy Char, whom I love. I mean, this guy is like friggin' salt of the earth, man. He's the best. One of my favorite marine buddies. So he's trying to find a house. And he, he's a big, big-time enthusiast of the Second Amendment. So a place where he can fish and hunt nearby. And he can shoot his guns and all that stuff. Kind of a little bit off the grid. Well, the place that he looked at, he was going to buy... It uh, can't put a septic mound in there. There was no septic. And so he's like, oh, I can't buy that. And all, all the Marine guys, we uh, make him recommendations like, well, you put a porta shitter on there. Or why don't you dig a straddle trench? So a straddle trench is basically is what it says it is. It's like a six foot long by one foot deep trench. And usually there'll be like a, a stake in the ground marking it with a chem light. So if you are occupying the patrol base for any period of time or you're going to, let's say you go out on a, on a mission and we establish a patrol base on the top of this mountain. Well, people are eating, people are living up there, man has a footprint. You don't want to be shitting all over the place and pissing and shitting and throwing your trash all over, so you have a straddle trench, and you designate it, depending upon how many people you have in your patrol base, 
and how long you're going to stay there, you have to have some sort of facility. And you go over there and find the, okay, it's, you know, 30 meters this direction, away from where you're camping, right? Away from your water source. And it's a trench by those dimensions. You dig it with an, with an e-tool or an entrenching tool. And you squat over it. You straddle the trench and you squat down and you take a shit. And, you know, you try to... You, pretty much do it one at a time, right? Otherwise, it'd be really uncomfortable, but that's one of the things about the Marine Corps and being a grunt is that, you know, you, you have to live right up close and personal with people, and so we we would have to dig these straddle trenches, and um, we stayed in one particular training area, we dug this straddle trench, and we it, like, overflowed. When you got, I don't know, 30 Marines in the area of operation and they're using this straddle trench it's fucking disgusting because you go in there and there's all this dump all this feces laying in this ditch and it's disgusting so when you go over it you try not try to hold your breath while you're doing this so you take your shit and you fucking wipe your ass with a little friggin' tiny piece of um, MRE shit paper and you throw it in there it's absolutely disgusting disgusting. It We overflowed the thing. There were so many of us. And so the protocol is to bury that, get a working party up, a few Marines grab their E-tools, and you cover that with dirt. And then you dig another straddle trench in that vicinity. So absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It would be cool if there were some sort of protocol where just to clean up that shit if there was some sort of bacteria that liked to eat turds and you could just sprinkle that on the, on all that excrement and feel a little bit better about taking the shit on the ground. You, we're disgusting, you know what I mean? It's like if you're walking to a field by a pond and there's all these goose shit geese shitting all over the place. You see it everywhere, everywhere you step, there's goose shit. Imagine a bunch of freaking human beings taking dumps everywhere. So, be thankful for uh, flush toilets and plumbing. Sewers. Uh, In other training areas, like in the Mojave Desert, there were either port-a-shitters, which are these plastic Johnny-on-the-spot things, and they're absolutely disgusting. And again, they get filled up and nasty. And then you'll see a way too late in the game, you'll see a shit sucker truck come up. And they literally have, you've seen these things driving around. Maybe it's escaped your your uh, awareness if you're fortunate. Uh, basically, you have a, a big truck with a barrel on the back of it. And it's got this corrugated hose that's maybe nine, maybe a f- nine inches, maybe a foot in diameter. It's got a handle on it. These guys jump out of the truck, turn on a motor, and put on these gloves, and they go over into the sh- into the fucking the portageon, and they suck out the portageon, and then they take another little um, squirty hose, and they they uh, 
they squirt around the thing, maybe with um, some sort of sanitary blue liquid that makes turds smell a little bit less offensive. These things are, I mean, whoever does that, that owns these businesses, these Johnny on the spot, they're probably raking in the dough because it ain't nothing but a bunch of plastic, a plastic container to piss and shit in. So we would be working in all these training areas. Thousands of Marines would come across these training areas and they'd have never, never enough Porta Johns. They'd have like, I don't know, one or two. And they would, they were supposed to go out and clean these and, and, uh, and suck the shit out of these damn uh, Porta Johns regularly. But it always seemed like they waited entirely too long. Well, there's a lot of Marines out there using these things. So they're disgusting. Disgusting. Um, then out of 29 Palms, California, in the desert training facilities, there were these things that were like concrete buildings. And it's just like, I don't know, eight feet drop. You walk into these things, they got a freaking like a wooden uh, table and you jump up on it. It's got a hole for your ass or you hover or whatever, obviously. Maybe a toilet seat there. And everything just drops down basically into a basement that's maybe, I don't know, 10 by 12 or something, these little shit buildings. And you go in there and do that. And it's absolutely disgusting. And as you wipe your ass you, or you're taking a leak, you can't help but look down there and there's all kinds of MRE trash that those are meals ready to eat. MRE trash, all kinds of crap. Hat, uh, camouflage, uh, clothing, socks, porn mags, shit. It's absolutely disgusting. I'm only telling you this stuff because this is real, okay? This, this, this shit literally, um, literally happens. And so... Whenever we're talking, uh, you know, Char says, hey, yeah, uh, there's no septic system. I can't buy that house. We all have to chime in about back in the day of these training areas that we would have to live in a certain way, live like friggin' animals, digging ditches and taking shits in them, all right? And there was this, I mentioned this before, there are these people called ground shitters. So let's say you're on a patrol and there's not enough of us to have these, um, to, to dig a straddle trench. So you're out in the training area. You can go out and relieve yourself, but you should have somebody to provide security for you while you take a shit. Um, otherwise, you could get killed, compromised, kidnapped, whatever, held for ransom, and compromise our mission. So that can't happen, right? Um, so you would dig a cat hole cat hole is basically a small hole foot by a foot wide and deep about a foot you take a shit and you cover that up with the dirt that you excavated so a ground shitter is a derogatory term and it's a literal term for somebody who does not 
clean up after themselves. So they'll go out into the woods to, to relieve themselves, but they'll be too lazy to dig a hole, and they'll just take a shit on the bare ground. And so then when you're on patrol or something like that, you would step in it, or maybe if you, you're on patrol and you got to hit the deck, go down the prone position for some cover and concealment, maybe you lay down in a pile of shit. Stranger things have happened. This is pr- pretty bad fecal uh, humor stories. But this is real, man. There's Marines and sailors and all kinds of personnel out there right now that are doing this sort of shit. And I think it's a funny story. Got all kinds of stories about shit and farts and piss and so on and so forth. Because it's funny and we're only human. So if you're offended, don't listen to my podcast. And uh, pardon me for humaning. (laughs) 